Welcome to the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. Jeff Johnson coming to you live from Upstairs Studio with Nicole Halton all the way from Australia where it's winter. How you doing? G'day, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm convinced that I'll get you saying, mate. G'day, mate. Um, it's good. Yeah, I'm really good. It is indeed winter. It's not real winter, but it's winter. It's, no, it it's, it's, it's very real for you. It feels real today, actually. It does feel cold today, but I shouldn't complain. So it's not I, really cold. <laughs> I, th- I threw out the idea of, uh, you know, last time we were together, we talked about uh, small world play. That this time we could talk a little bit about, about water play. Uh, just kind of throwing some episodes out there about these different, different kind of categories of play. Um, one of the things that really impressed me about public playgrounds in Australia, and not all of them, um, was that many that we visited had water features in them where kids could control the flow of water. There's like big valves they could close to haul it down or cranks to move the water up and all these kind of things. And, and uh, well, well, in the States, there are maybe some, some splash pads where the kids, the water shoots up and they can play with them. There aren't those, I, I, I've never run across in the States, the, the versions of, of, of public space water play that I've seen in Australia. Did you go to the one in Darling Harbour? It's like right in the middle of Sydney, like in yes. it's in like a big park. I feel like you went there when you were here um, and it has got so much of that and it's like a, a very large portion of the playground is water play. And so it was, it's funny though, that, that got built probably uh, like maybe 10 years ago, I suppose. Um, prior to that, in that space there used to be and there still is there used to be a few like water fountains and ponds and things like that and there was like stepping stones between them and whatever and the children used to play in there constantly so whether that was kind of that impetus then to to build an actual water play space I don't know but I think it's a great space because it's right in the center of you know quite a heavily populated city and it's very kind of urban area and they've got this large space where children can just go and kind of go crazy and they have they've got so many different you know pipes and tubes and you know things that do things things that move and that you can make you can make the water change direction and you know those sorts of things and I think you know we've got one here um in Newcastle that's um we've got a few but there's one in particular which has got like a big um like a I don't actually know what the term is, but it is. It's like a big handle that you can turn. Sorry, there was just background noise then. Um, There's a big handle that you can turn and the water runs through it. It's like a... It's an There auger. is an actual term. No, it's, it's, like a cork, it's like a corkscrew. It's an auger. I, is that what it is? Yeah. I feel like there's an actual term for it. Like yeah. a something's corkscrew. A some, yeah, I don't know. I'll go with an auger. Well, I mean, I've it's, never it's, heard that if, if you're talking uh, simple machines, it's a screw. But, yeah. but it's an auger. I mean, they use the, the same thing if they're if they're putting grain that the mice didn't eat into into a, a storage bin. It says it's an auger. It's that screw shaped thing that will move water yeah. up. But the, they do the same yes. thing with great. Yeah, those water. Yeah. OK, yeah. yes, it is that. Yes, it is that. And so, you know, it's funny because it's <laughs> it was one of the parts of the playground that the children just gravitate to first. 
And yet there are so many families that I overhear at that playground, especially in winter, who are like, oh, don't go in that section. Don't go over to there. Don't You're going to get wet. And you're going to get wet shoes and whatever. It's like my kids, it's like shoes off and, you know, clothes pulled up. And it's like, who cares? You know, they're going to get wet, but it's kind of, you know, all good. Yeah. Yeah. Another one we, I, I remember from, from visiting Oz is uh, I, I think it was in Perth and uh, it's, I think it's, I can't even remember the name of the place, but it's this, this beautiful park and there's, they've got all kinds of structures, but the, the water feature they had there for the kids was really naturalistic. And it was, there was kind of a waterfall and then a stream bed. And so the kids could, could take the rocks and, and, and stack them and build dams and everything. And it's, it's one of those places like school groups go. It's like yeah. a public park, but this, so this group, and so we're there and there's this, this group of, it must've been second or third graders. And they're just, they've all got their shoes off and they're, they're, they're damming up the water and the water's coming down. And it's just, it's just delightful. Um, and it's kind one of, of those things, that sort of play, I think just seems to come naturally to children that, you know, particularly around damming and, you know, that movement of water, you know, being able to make the movement, the water move in a certain way. And, you know, we do a lot of camping and we go to a lot of places where there's rivers. And so there's lots of river rock and what, and my children do that constantly. They're making little rock pools, they're making dams, they're, you know, making channels so that the water will divert one way. And then they build it up so that it turns into a bit of a rapid. And, and I think, you know, those opportunities are great when they're available out in the natural world, but that's not the case for all children. And, um, it's funny when, um, so back when Tash and I were working in a service, that was one of the first things that we did to our outdoor space was to build um, a river. And it's essentially, it starts at the top. Um, it's on a hill, um, a natural hill, and it starts at the top and it's kind of a rocky riverbed all the way down to the bottom. At the bottom, there's a big underground water source but then there's a pump that can feed the water up to the top and there's some hoses at the top so the water just sort of trickles out but then it goes down through layers of the rocks and the children spend it's still there now and the children spend hours just rearranging the rocks and just fiddling in that water play yeah yeah and i mean all it takes is a recirculate right there's just a an inexpensive recirculating pump yeah um yeah in most cases it's not it, that hard yeah, it's it's kind of thing you buy for like a garden fountain or something, and yeah. and so it's that's really easy to do. Another one um, when it comes to water play that I really enjoyed in Australia was we went to uh, we went to uh, uh, the river with kids. Yeah, and and so the the kids from the program, everybody hopped into the uh, the van, and they did this like twice a week with the preschoolers, and and drove a few miles to this farm, and they walked through the. Uh, the uh the cow pasture and said hi to the cows and then down a hill and uh and to the i think it's the brisbane river is where it was and and uh everything was set up uh for hot days they had a canopy set up so they'd have some shade and the the river there where they they had flagged off for the kids to play in was was probably ankle to mid mid calf deep for a three or four year old and they would they would get down to the bottom of the hill and change into their their swimwear and and plop out into the water for for 40 minutes or an hour and and eat a snack and then head back to the van and it was yeah and i think there are places here that are doing that it's not not as many as what i'd like to see sure um but i know it was one of the reasons why um so we started our own family daycare service 
um, for that. And I don't know what the direct translation to American is, but essentially we're like the management body for people who operate a childcare service out of their own home. So like a home-based kind of educator. Um, and one of the reasons we started that um, about seven years ago was because we kept saying to educators, get out with the children, like go out on excursions, go out on adventures, go to the river, go to the beach, you know, like go wherever. Um, and they just weren't able to do that. And so we kind of caved to a bit of peer pressure and <laughs> decided to just do it ourselves. And we've got educators now that will go to the lake, they go to the river, they go to the beach. And that's, you know, they're places that are part of the lives of those children that are in care. And so, you know, they become an important part of that little sense of community and, you know, and the play experiences that happen are just beautiful. Yeah. Um, sadly, here in in some states, that would be deemed a violation of childcare regulations and illegal and and caregivers can't do it. There's there's a, uh, a caregiver I know in the state of Washington here. So uh, uh, West Coast, uh, Puget Sound, very beautiful area. And uh, the state of Washington a few years ago revised their regulations, it appears. And they used to do excursions. Her family child care program was, was close to the shore. And they would do excursions to the shore. And then the regulations changed. And, uh, and apparently that wasn't allowed anymore. I, I haven't stayed up on it. So maybe they changed back. But... Um, that so happened sometimes- here in reverse, though. Our, our regulations, you know, so we used to have very different regulations in each state. And so where we are in New South Wales, we had really tough regulations. And to even consider going to somewhere where there was, you know, like an inch of water was, oh, we need someone with, you know, a bronze medallion in life saving and we need this and we need that. And it became such a big ordeal that people just went that's all too hard like that's the too hard basket it wasn't you couldn't do it but they made it virtually so hard that you couldn't do it Um, and it was even the same within your service you know you were really restricted to the water that you could have within your service you know even to have like a um, a water trough or something where the children could play yeah you were really mindful about where it was set up and who set it up and you know all those sorts of things and so I think when we put our riverbed in um, at our service it was it, it was under those regulations and, you know, we really had to jump through some hoops to do that. But I think we could see that benefit for the children. I think when you can kind of look at, you know, benefit and risk together, you know, and if the benefit outweighs the risk, then it's worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Lisa Murphy tells the story about how uh, when she was doing family child care, they, they were basically told her she needed a lifeguard for her bird bath. Um, or, or, or something, something along those lines. It, it, it is. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of, uh, of large scale water play opportunities in these public spaces and then the natural environment. But there are there are plenty of ways we can bring water play into our into our programs beyond the uh, the the plastic uh, water play table water bin in in the classroom. Um, and, you know, that that's I mean if that's all you can do and all you're comfortable with, it's a it's a start because yeah. look for for me water is is an incredible loose part. Yes. Um. I think and I think it's one of the one of the kind of tra- I don't know if it's traditional loose parts is that a thing? Um. I'm thinking. I feel like it is. I'm thinking a thing a thing human children have played with for as long as we've been human children. I and would say so. so. 
sticks and mud and water and bones and that kind of stuff kind of falls into that kind of old school loose parts because it was it was a long time before we invented things like cardboard um yes so so this is kind <laughs> of little those, shiny you know jewels that are yeah, now yeah, exactly little, <laughs> little plastic jewels um and so this is i mean human children have been playing with water for as long as there have been human children we're, we're drawn to it and there's so much learning that goes on there and so any any water experience you can have in the environment is is a good one um you know the the water play table is great and you know you and again as an adult you don't have to spend a lot of time setting it up and planning for it create some water and have some tools some some, some things you can dump that they can use yep and, and and i think that's it people go oh well i'm gonna get the water yeah, you know, we call it a water trough, but mm-hmm. water table. I like out. that better. Yeah, I think I don't know why it makes it. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that's what we generally call it, water trough. But you'd get it out, and it was like, okay, well, what are we having with it today? Is it boats? Is it sea creatures? Is it you know some funnels or whatever? But it was always a something. And I think, why does it need to be a something? Why do we need to get particular things out? Can't we just have materials available? For the children to do whatever it is that they want to do with that because whatever it is it's going to be different to what we thought it should have been yeah yeah and just just trust them if you got a if you got a room with a water trough and loose parts the kids will figure out what they want to put in the water yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you might need a couple rules. Um, if you have a, a very expensive set of hardwood blocks, um, <laughs> maybe you, we're not putting those in there. You might maybe not we're want... not putting the service iPad in the water yeah. trough. Yeah. So you might need <laughs> some, you, you might see some rules around what can go in there, but if you're thoughtful of the, about the environment, um, just trusting them to, to use what they want is, uh, is 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 probably the way to go i i just remember up in we're visiting a program up in up in the uh the canada once and uh and there's the kids playing around the table and uh, they've been scolded a little bit about about keeping the water out of their mouths but there's this one little girl she's she's taking she got a little measuring cup and she's scooping up and she's putting it in her mouth and then she's watching and when the <laughs> teachers the teachers aren't lists or aren't looking she's doing this, this spitting it like a fountain like a fountain a, a, across the, the the water trough and and it's delightful and and i see her doing it and she gets this just this the cutest little devilish grin on her face and uh, and then puts her puts her a finger up to her lip like don't tell <laughs> don't um, tell <laughs> so i i, I love that i was i was an adult but i was trusted to be be a part of her sneakiness um, we're in on the play and and so just just the just the basic stuff because because it's so end, endlessly inter- interesting the just the text the I don't, does water have a texture no yes i guess um, you call it a texture yeah, well, yeah. I mean, just I the, it feels the, like something. The feel, and if if you want to get if you want to get uh, um, if you feel like you need to be do some teaching, if you feel like you need to do some stuff, vary the temperature of the water you put in. Now, I advise you not boiling. Boiling is no. too warm. Little hot. <laughs> but but filling it warm water one week, cold water with with uh, I mean, dump a bag of ice in there with it um, yeah. one week and play play with the temperature. Um, but then also if we're talking, uh, talking water play, ice, ice, Hey, you know what people 
ice is made out of water. Um, it is. And so having having some uh, some ice experience and and I mean we did things like we make these huge blocks of ice with with stuff frozen in them or or not, and just putting them somewhere in the classroom and letting kids experience them melting. Um, yeah. and, and maybe that was inside and maybe that was outside. Now there are, there are some parts of Australia where that would be about 50, you, you could have a It'd melt a little bit quick. <laughs> yeah. You, you could have just this, this, this block of ice, the size of, I don't know, the heads of three children, um, just as a good size block. And it would, it would be about 15 minutes and it would be gone. Done. Um, but but that kind of stuff. Uh, the opportunity to do cooking um, with them, where you've actually you're get, able to observe water on on the cooktop and and see it come to a boil and watch that steam form and evaporate. Now again, something you're not putting your fingers in, um, or maybe even your tongues. But but that observation is is kind of a a STEMI um, engage engagement. Um, I've done the thing with kids before where you take a block of ice and you put it in the container and it melts and then you heat it up and watch it evaporate. And then you get that whole water, water cycle thing of of water and it's, and it's liquid solid and gaseous state is, uh, is kind of a, a sciencey kind of thing to do. My girls, who I seem to have mentioned in every episode we've recorded, because well, they're always, you are, you are a mom and they're kind of of a source of material. The 11-year-old, he's moved on. He's, like, too cool for this stuff. But the the 6- and 8-year-old, I'm forever, I'll open my freezer and I find random containers with water and other substances in them in the freezer. And I'll say, what is this doing in here? We're just freezing it to see what happens. And it's like, you know, there'll be water with some dirt in it and then there might be water with um, some grass in it and then there's something else. And I'm like, okay cool and then they'll go back and they get it out a few days later and do something with it and you know make it they actually turned they put um crushed up some chalk added it to the water and then put it in little containers and put that in the freezer and then turned it into like a frozen chalk painting thing so they could actually paint with that so they were pretty impressed with that you know that transition it went from chalk dust and water so now it's a thing we can actually draw. With. It's a solid thing we can. So they're, they're yeah, basically making their own. Now. making their own sidewalk chalk that doesn't doesn't yes. have a doesn't Even have a real long shelf life. <laughs> yes, they or- and they already had the chalk. They're, they're turning sidewalk <laughs> they chalk into sidewalk up. chalk. Yes. <laughs> pretty much pretty well that's much. that that's that innovation and ingenuity we were talking about a couple episodes yes. back. Um so it doesn't need to be a big thing. I think a lot of times adults are I, I don't think water play in some programs, water play becomes a sometimes thing. And I think it should yeah. be, I think it could be a, a daily thing. I mean, it's, it's a pretty easy thing to make a daily thing. That's just well, kind of there. To, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and, you know, as I said, it's winter here at the moment. So it's, you know, fairly chilly. And she said her little girl was heading off to preschool today. And she said, Oh, I just hope they don't have water play. And I said, why? And she said, cause she comes home wet. She gets wet clothes. And I'm like, and she said she'll get sick. I'm like, no, she will not. I said, unless someone has laced that water with some sort of bacterial viral <laughs> infection, she's not getting sick. It's like the water's not making her sick. It's okay. And, you know, I think particularly here in Australia, it's like there's really not much of an excuse not to have water play available all the time for children. It's very rarely too cold mm-hmm. um, to not have water play available. I think the only challenge comes 
um, from a sustainability standpoint, you know, around particularly over the last couple of years, we've been a country that's been in drought. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for, for some parts of the country, having water available as a play thing can feel, you know, it's challenging because it's like, well, hang on, that's a really precious commodity that we just don't have enough of. We've got, um, you know, animals and stock and crops and stuff that are just dying because we don't have enough water. So it's finding that balance then. How do we provide opportunities for children to do that? while still being sustainable and so it's having rainwater tanks available you know we always had rainwater tanks and I know for my children at home we've got a rainwater tank once the tank's empty well we've got to wait for it to rain again and so they start to you know be more mindful about the amount of water that they're using and how they're using it yeah yeah I'm glad you brought that up I had it in my in my in my head as a as a thing there there is that that uh that ethical consideration um, when you're when you're talking about this this valuable resource as a commodity, and especially over there with all those horny mice that we talked about a couple a couple <laughs> episodes ago, they're 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 going to be thirsty after uh, yes. after everything they're getting after all into. that action. Um, so so that's that's you got to you got to take the wildlife into consideration too. But no, I mean that's that's a thing programs need to consider. And so so capturing that uh, what do you call it gray water that that roof runoff yeah. and all that kind of stuff is is an opportunity if that's a that's an issue and i mean it is it is kind of a recyclable thing if if that's some place that you're you're can you where where water is an issue then instead of having the uh the the garden hose tap running all the time you need to you need to contain it and be a little bit more more mindful and respectful of it and that that gives an an opportunity look it's it's i mean it could be seen as a as a disadvantage and a reason not to engage in that kind of play but it also is an opportunity to help the children learn about um their environment and the world that they live in and yeah and i think that's one of the things that we've you know really in that sense you know from a sustainability standpoint but also just from that being exposed to you know like we're talking at the beginning about so those larger bodies of water and you know that need for children to be exposed to that you know we're in a country that's surrounded by water and you know unless you live right out in the middle which is not a great deal of people you know most of us live around in the coastal areas and so for most children water safety is really important you know being able to keep yourself safe around water being able to understand you know if you've never been to a beach and particularly a beach here in the sense that we have them. If you've never been to a beach, um, you can't possibly understand, you know, rips and what uh, what the, the power of that water and, you know, all those sorts of things. So if children don't have that exposure, I'm not saying we need to take them out in rips and waves and whatever, but, you know, if they don't have that exposure, then, you know, we're actually kind of limiting that opportunity for children to develop that understanding that's really kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of, I mean, water play like everything else should be, should be location specific. Um, So you, I mean, there's not much need for snow play if you live someplace that doesn't snow It's something you can talk about, but it's probably, it's not something people have a lot of, the kids have a lot of reference points for. Um, And, and, you know, the amount of water that you have in the place you're living is is going to uh, kind of influence and maybe dictate the kind of water play you have. Yeah. Um, there's probably a lot more snow-based water play going on where I live than there is where you live. Um, Very much so. <laughs> just because, because of the because of the environment, and so that's that's absolutely something that should be taken into consideration. And I think it's interesting, you know, we we're sort of saying about that sustainability 
factor. Like I think a lot of people are kind of reluctant to have water play because it's frivolous and we're wasting, you know, this resource and whatever. If you don't give children that opportunity to do that, they find it and that might mean that they play in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, I've seen children who would go and they'd get like a tiny little bucket or, you know, a little measuring cup or something and they'd go into the bathroom and they'd fill it up at the sink and then they'd tiptoe back down to the sand pit just so they could have some some water in their sand space. And, you know, and you'd see them slopping it out of the bucket as they walked down there. And it's like, by the time they got there, they'd lost three quarters of it. And, you know, that's wasteful in itself. So it's like, actually, if we provided it, we'd, you know, we're giving a better opportunity for children to have that, what they're going to seek out anyway. You know, if we don't provide it, they're going to find it. And it's just that they'll find it in the sink or the toilet bowl or the, you know, wherever water dispensers. We used to have like a um, like a water jug with a little tap on it that the children could, you know, fill up their own cups. And, you know, the toddlers in particular, they would spend hours just fiddling with the taps on those things. And I think, why are they not in the play space as well? You know, yeah. those sorts of things should be part of the play space, that opportunity, because it's hard to actually squeeze those sometimes, you know, requires some really strong muscles in those mm-hmm. fingers to be able to squeeze it to get the water out. Let's provide that out in the play space. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, when you, when you drive it, when you make it that kind of play taboo, they'll, they'll find a way yeah. to do it if they need to do it. Yeah. It's that kid that, uh, that, uh, that has to wash their hands every 15 minutes and yes. it takes 10 minutes to do it. Um, and the and, sink overflows with bubbles and before, you know, it, we used to have bubbles that would actually, the kids would wash their hands so much with so much soap that the bubbles would start to come out of the floor drain. (laughs) You'd walk into the bathroom, there'd be bubbles across the tiles. But, you know, that's because they weren't getting it in a different spot. They needed it somewhere else. And, you know, I think a lot of services here will often provide it outside but won't provide it inside. And unless they're running an indoor-outdoor kind of free-flowing program, there's a whole chunk of time where children are inside and they're not having that opportunity to engage in that type of play. And so they will end up in the bathroom or, you know, by the water dispenser or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Got I mean, they're drawn to it. They need it. And um, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier to, uh, to offer it up in, a, in an environment in a way that you can kind of help manage it than to, to wonder if they're drowning in the toilet um, yes. when, they, when they go to take care of that, that kind of business. Any other thoughts on this before we wrap it up? Um, probably not. The only thing I did think of, I think I have seen, and again, it's the curse of the social media, um, a lot of like water walls and stuff that people have made in recent years. And they're, you know, things that are made with funnels and pipes and hoses and whatever, and, you know, obviously usually fixed onto a wall. Mm-hmm. But most of them that I see are really adult made. You know, the adults have come in and it's kind of like what we were talking about with the small world stuff. The adults have come in and actually made it and they've set it up and they've fixed things there. So you can still pour the water, but it actually doesn't change. It just does that same thing. And I think, you know, there's so much more room for creativity and for children to be flexible if they're just given the stuff and they can create that themselves and it can be changed at any time. We used to have uh, like a fence that divided two parts of our playground and it was uh, kind of like pool fencing. I don't know whether it's the same there, but I'll guess that it is. Um, and you could, we used to use cable ties and the children could actually use the cable ties to zip ties, I think they are, mm-hmm. um, to attach like a funnel or a piece of hose or whatever. And they could rearrange that however they wanted. And then when they were done with it, they could just snip the tie and take it off and move it into a different spot or whatever. And I suppose for some people that's not overly sustainable, but I think the play 
side of that wins out for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because it gives them more ownership and power and control. So absolutely. And I mean, if, if the, the, if building the water wall yourself and having it locked in on the way it is, is the, the only way you're comfortable as the adult allowing that kind of play, then I guess that's a good place to be, but allowing that freedom to allow the kids to create those kind of structures, there's a lot more learning and uh, engagement going on when they have that power and control. Yeah, they'll actually stay there and be involved for far longer than, you know, when it's set up for them. It's like, okay, cool, I've done that once. That's it. You know, it's like, actually, if I can change that, you know, it goes back to like that dam building, whatever. If I can change the way the water moves, that's that power again. And, you know, I think that's yeah, so much more freeing for children in terms of play. Yeah, water powered. Hey, <laughs> listeners, this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. You can find Nicole at inspiredec.com. You can find me at explorationsearlylearning.com. We will be back with another episode together sometime. I think in the next episode, I'm going to be with somebody else. I don't know who. It's going to be a surprise. Um, Ooh, it's a mystery. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.